We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Ducks Digest podcast. Thanks for tuning in to another episode today. It is Monday, August 9th, 2021, as we record this. I'm in Eugene, and uh, I got my good buddy, fellow writer, Dylan Rubin King, uh, coming at you from Yelm, Washington, uh, on the other end here. Dylan, how we doing, man? I'm doing great. We're late night. We're grinding. I uh, got some big news to talk about, so I'm, I'm pretty excited. Yeah, without a doubt, man. I mean, that's the that's the thing with this journalism grind. I feel like you don't always see the, you know, the the time that that kind of goes into it. You just see the the posts on social media and you just read the story and you kind of move on. But it's it's a you know, it's just a, a piece of the of the grind that you kind of just got to got to deal with and, you know, you move with it. Um, but yeah, man, you know, we got some big news to talk about. But before we get into it, um, kind of what I wanted to do is just take this time, you know, I'm sure a lot of listeners have, uh, you know, read the site as well, that they've read your work, they've seen us on YouTube, what have you. But I just kind of wanted to take, uh, you know, a sec here to, to kind of ask you, uh, you know, to, to tell us a little bit about yourself so that, you know, kind of put, uh, we already have a name to the face because you have a photo on the website, obviously, but, you know, just tell us a little bit about yourself and, and kind of how you got into this whole journalism thing. For sure. Yeah, I haven't always been into sports. It was kind of a kind of a late find for me. I got into sports probably when I was about 12 years old um, was when I really got into it. Uh, I followed the Lakers, the Packers and the Ducks, which is kind of a, a crazy trail. Um, but the Ducks, you know, I'm from Oregon, born in Beaverton, lived in Portland for a while. So um, once I got into college football, Oregon was kind of a natural fit for me. Um, but yeah, like around high school, I really got into it, fell in love with stats, fell in love with just, you know, telling stories. And, you know, I, I decided I wanted to go to the university of Oregon. Um, and that was kind of like my grind from my junior year of high school on ended up going to South Puget Sound community college, worked at the newspaper there. Um, and then I transferred to the university of Oregon in 2019 um, and I did duck TV sports. So I got to cover sporting events. Um, I did the Pac-12 tournament, women's basketball tournament in Las Vegas. I did the Pac-12 football championship. And then I worked with KWVA, the radio station, and I got to broadcast a couple of games over the radio, which is my dream is to be a play-by-play broadcaster in like basketball or football. Um, and then shortly before I graduated, I ended up with Ducks Digest and have written close to like 150 pieces. I do graphic design, I do podcasts, I do a little bit of everything. So yeah, it's a little bit about me. 
Right on, man. Yeah, no, it's it's cool how you kind of bounced all over the place as far as, you know, working with newspaper and then kind of doing your thing with, with video. Because I remember before we like actually linked up, I, I had seen you on um, on Twitter doing your your kind of your uh, women's basketball, Pac-12 women's basketball tournament uh, breakdowns um because i was following duck tv sports and i just saw you i'm like dang this guy is just grinding he's like at every game and i'm like why is he like covering all this because like i know that Oregon got bounced out pretty early um but that was just so cool because then you ended up hitting me up and i was like yeah this guy definitely definitely knows what he's doing and and look at us now man we're we're rolling with it yes sir ducks digest it keeps on growing i love it yeah no it's it's been it's been a trip for sure and uh we're only going up from here um, but yeah, let's grab it. Let's, uh, let's go into this big news uh, of the day. Um, let's talk about uh, the Oregon men's basketball program. I feel like everything we've been talking about lately has been football related. So we kind of got to switch the gears a little bit and we're moving into basketball. So the news of the day, five-star center Kalel Ware from North Little Rock High School uh, out in Arkansas, seven-footer. He committed to the Ducks uh, over an offer sheet that had more than 20 schools uh, and, you know, this is just another huge addition for, for Dana Altman and company. Um, you know, we kind of have some points that we want to get into, Dylan, but just want to kind of hand it over to you and, and just, you know, start us off. You know, why is this such a, a big move for Oregon? Man, I mean, Dana Altman is just the man. I mean, like, it seemed like when Dior Johnson committed, that was the first commit of 2022. And there hasn't been one since. And it's kind of been really quiet. And it was like, what's going to happen here? You're kind of seeing guys go to other schools, to other big blood programs. And you're like, is Oregon going to do something here? Now, I know they've been active in the transfer portal, which is really, I mean, they've done phenomenally in the transfer portal. So you can't really complain there. But it was like, are they going to kind of pick up some steam here in 2022? And, you know, two five stars out of the gate, you really can't complain. Um, So the rest of the roster will fill itself out. Uh, The rest of the class will fill itself out. But, I mean, you have a superstar point guard and an all-around talented center to start, two five-star talents. It's It's been an incredible start, and I can't wait to see what Dana Altman does to finish the class. But um, taking him from Arkansas, I think, was huge because, you know, Arkansas isn't necessarily known as, like, a basketball powerhouse when you think of it, but they're on their way. I mean, they made it to the Elite Eight last year. Eric Musselman's done a fantastic job in his first couple of years coming from Nevada. Um, and helping that program. I just think this was a huge get because Arkansas, he visited them. That's his home school. And it sounded like he had a lot of great things to say. And Oregon just kind of came out of nowhere and they landed him. And I I honestly didn't expect it. I thought he was an Arkansas guy. Um, But this is just a huge, huge statement for Oregon in terms of where they are in recruiting among the country. Yeah, you're talking about how we're, we're seeing that pairing with with Dior Johnson. Uh, you know, you think about crazy pick and rolls, uh, pick and pops, um, you know, just all of the all the possibilities that come to mind, you know, big fast breaks, you know, say where gets a, a rebound and then just heaves it down the court because Dior Johnson is such a, a quick guy, great athlete. But what really stands out to me, Dylan, when we're looking at this is when it comes to recruiting, I feel like basketball recruiting is just a totally different scene from football, right? Cause you know, the, the ducks are doing a great job in football as well. And they have 16 commits, but you look at basketball, you're seeing classes that only have, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, like five to seven, maybe. So I just feel like every commitment you get is that much more meaningful. 
Absolutely. I mean, obviously the roster is way smaller. Um, so, you know, that kind of explains itself, but at the same time, you know, that's a great point about every piece that you add is huge. And now with all the things that they've added in the transfer portal, I really don't know how much um, more they'll add in the 2023 class. The 2021 class was pretty good sized as well. Um, so I don't expect the 2022 class to be more than maybe four or five Um and the roster already, you know, they returned a couple of guys like Will Richardson and Eric, uh, Eric Williams Jr. So, you know, the roster, I think, is, is filled out for the time being. And obviously things can change going into next year. But I think as things stand right now, they're a great they have a great chance to go back to the Sweet 16 and beyond this year. I feel like they could be a national title contender starting next year. It might be kind of a hot take because we don't really know what Dior Johnson and Kahlo Ware and Nate Biddle will bring. But on paper, I mean, it's it's hard to top that lineup. Yeah, it's it's going to be uh, a nice combination of uh, returners for the Ducks this next year. Uh, you mentioned Eric Williams. He's a guy who who was going to test the NBA draft waters. And then that was kind of weird because I know we were talking about that, you know, since I'm so like on football, you kind of keep me in check. It's like, hey, Max, like this kind of basketball stuff's going on. Um, so you definitely helped me out there. But like, I think it kind of flew under the radar. I think I saw some tweets that that he, uh, you know, took his name out of the the NBA draft process. And you know, now I'm looking on Oregon's roster right now and he he's there. Um, so, you know, that's a that's huge for him to, to be back. Um, and then you have uh, Will Richardson's huge, and you pair him with Devion Harmon, who comes in from Oklahoma. Um, let's see, uh, and Folly Dante is back healthy. And you, you, like you were saying, they just they had some awesome additions in the transfer portal. But um, it's kind of weird to think about the long game when it comes to college basketball with the whole one and done thing. I'm going all over the place here. You can see how I, I just don't really. I'm all. <laughs> I'm. I'm a little. Uh, uh, a little fired up and, you know, trying to shift back into basketball, but kind of what I'm saying here is like a roster management standpoint, looking at some of the names that we have this year, and then maybe what a potential team could look like for Dana Altman uh, when Ware actually gets to Eugene. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you think of Oregon, you don't really think of the one and done stuff, right? I mean, now you're looking at some of the talent that they're adding and it's like at other schools, you'd probably expect it. Like if Dior Johnson say would have gone to a Kentucky or a Memphis you probably would have expected him only to be one year, but Oregon, that's just not a thing. I mean, Troy Brown Jr., Bull Bull, you know, the list doesn't really go further than that, especially with the five-star, four-star guys that they've gotten. Um, I expect them to kind of stick around a little bit more um, with this program. Dana Altman, you know, obviously he's not going to complain if they go one year. Um, you know, it's not necessarily up to him, but at the same time, I feel like the culture that he's built at Oregon kind of screams – let's keep building something. This isn't, you know, this isn't where you can just play one year and kind of just be done, be NBA ready, which they've proven they can do that because Troy Brown Jr. and Bull Bull have made it to the NBA and are both solid until Bull Bull starts getting minutes somewhere. Um, but, you know, I, I think they're going to build something here. I don't think 2022 is going to be the only year you'll see, you know, Dior Johnson and Kelly Ware. I think you'll see them, at least two years. I, I think this is a program where, um, you know, they're going to, they're going to keep building something. Yeah. I think when a, a, a new part that we kind of have to, to factor into the equation here when it comes to recruiting, um, you know, I guess to, to play a little bit of devil's advocate here, we don't know if where and Johnson are going to end up 
at Oregon, you know, like with, with, um, I mean, I'm saying that I don't know if, if Ware has been looking at the pros, so I probably should have looked a little bit more into that, but more so for, for Dior Johnson, just the, the way that NIL is factored into the one and done rule, it's kind of serving as a little bit of a counterpunch. Uh, is kind of a way I want to look at it. Um, and it's cool because you're maybe seeing it balance the scales a little bit in terms of just so many guys uh, wanting to, to, you know, get, to the league so quickly, or maybe the basket college basketball is just not the best thing for them. Um, I think Jalen Green's a big name that that didn't play college basketball. Um, R.J. Hampton as well, I think. Um, but when, when now that you have NIL coming into the picture, which is you know right in Oregon's wheelhouse, that's their sweet spot with branding and and hype and social media, what have you. I think that it kind of bodes well for them to to hopefully hold on to these guys. Um, you know to the point where they sign with, with Oregon and then get them here, get them playing with these other guys. And then maybe like you were saying, have them multiple years. I think it's kind of scary if you're a coach um, at a college right now um, because of that kind of stuff, you know, I mean, look at like Quinn Ewers, right. I mean, I know we're talking college football here, but like, I don't think any of his high school coaches expected him to kind of bolt out of there and go to Ohio state this early um, and now may, maybe that's a trend in college basketball too. Who knows? But, um, you know, like you said, the NBA G League thing um, and some of the other pro teams they can, they, they can go to, New Zealand and Australia are in the mix. I believe um, Dior Johnson had um, an offer from the new uh, um, Australian Basketball League, I believe, um, which was a pretty luxurious deal, uh, especially for a guy coming out of high school. So, you know, it's really interesting. But I think with the NIL and just the brand that Oregon has, like you said, I think that um, they're kind of, I think they'll hold on to him. And at the same time, like if you follow Dior Johnson on social media, you'll see he's like all about it. Um, he's all about Oregon. Every time there's like a, like a top recruit, especially Kolo Ware, like the last couple of weeks, he's been all over social media saying, Oh, I feel like we're going to get him. Oh, stay tuned. Ducks fans. We're going to get him." And I obviously he was right. And so he just seems like all about Oregon, which kind of makes me seem like he he's here to stay. Yeah. I remember when I was, uh, when I was flying down to LA to cover the elite 11 in the opening where I saw Quinn Ewers, I was flying out at the crack of dawn because, uh, you know, or no, not Oregon, Alaska, um, you know, they're, they're nonstop to LA direct to LA only goes really early, but I actually saw Dana Altman, uh, when I was getting dropped off at the airport and I, it took me a second to put it together, but I saw him and I'm thinking, why is this dude here so early? And then I was thinking, well, maybe he's here to, to see somebody or is he going somewhere to see a recruit? And then it kind of clicked for me. I'm like, oh, snap, Dior Johnson's on his visit. So then I ended up seeing him, um, you know, get dropped off, uh, Dana wrapping up the visit, you know, exchanging pleasantries, wishing them well. Um, but yeah, I, I think that you're seeing all the right signs for Dior Johnson to, to stay with Oregon and, you know, go through the process. Um, but like you were saying with, with Quinn Ewers high school coaches to a degree, if you're Dana Altman, you kind of have to have a backup plan. Like what are this dude bolts, which is so weird. Cause then it's like, you have to, it changes the tone for conversations with your current players on the roster. And then it's like, Hey, like, you know, recruit, uh, over here and, you know, Texas, or, uh, I'm trying to think of other basketball States, but I'm just totally blanking. Like I know Vegas has a lot of really good ballers. Um, it's like, Hey, like we're like warm on you, but we're not totally sure what's going to happen with this guy. So how would you just keep waiting for a little bit and, you know, enjoy the process? 
That definitely makes it interesting. I mean, and you have to think about like, um, like when they're actually recruiting guy, like that person that's like battling between college or the pro route. Um, you have to think about like how much effort it takes into recruiting them. Like you were talking about Dana Altman being there at the crack of the dawn, um, going to meet him and recruit him and stuff like that how much effort it really takes to like stay in contact with these guys and just kind of stay in the mix. I mean, you talk about with football. I mean, you hear everything that Mario Cristobal and Rod Chance and, um, you know, Alex Mirabal, they're like talking every day to these guys and it's just a constant thing. And I believe the men's basketball program isn't any different than that. So just how much effort it takes to just bring a guy to verbally commit to Oregon and then to have them potentially go pro or you know um even transfer or just not sign like it i don't know it's it's really um it's an interesting aspect to college sports now but at the same time you know like i said i don't think dior johnson or Ware are about that um i i would expect them to stay but dior johnson with his caliber i wouldn't be surprised if you know something kind of heated up later like maybe the offer comes back or it's bigger um in the australian league but I don't know. He seems all about Oregon. So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily put too much thought to that. Um, but it's, it's never out of the question, I guess. Yeah. And we, you know, we kind of saw NIL to a degree coming. Right. But when like now that I were actually doing a podcast about it and thinking about it, I feel like football had, you know, they have more time to kind of see how it flows and like what works, what doesn't work. Cause these guys don't have, they can't go pro right out of high school. But basketball, they're kind of getting blindsided and, and scrambling here. Like, what do I need to do to, to get this guy to just stay in college? Whereas football, it's like, okay, what do I need to do to get him to come here over these other schools that, you know, I can, you know, point to, okay, like we're doing a lot better than them. We're beating them on the field of competition uh, versus, you know, well, these guys are playing on TV in Europe or somewhere else. It's just, it's just a, a crazy dynamic that, um, you know, we're, we're all still learning more about. And in a way, I feel like we're right there with the coaches learning as we go. Um, so we've ta- talked a lot about the recruiting process and kind of how, how much of a, um, I don't know, it's, a, it's like a chess game, right? How, how it is with that. But let's talk about some more on the court stuff, uh, Dylan. We have some stuff here on the, um, on the plan, our doc, you know, kind of what we wanted to touch on. Um, so I feel like we've been kind of all over the place. What, what do you, what sounds good to you here? What do you kind of want to dive into? Well, I mean, we talked a little bit about, um, you know, Dewar Johnson and Kalo Ware and kind of their, you know, that tandem on the court, but at the same time, like, you know, obviously that's kind of the headliner because 2022, those are the only two guys, but you think of who they could potentially pair up with, with 2022, that, um, that front court is stacked. I think that was like, I'm not going to say a weakness of the 2020 class or the, of the 2020 team because they were kind of undersized, right? I mean, you had Frank Kepnong um, and Folly Dante got injured. But now, I mean, you look at 2022, Dante could be back. Kepnong could stick around. Then you have Nate Biddle, Isaac Johnson, Kalel Ware. I mean, those are all guys that are 6'11 and taller, which is insane. Um, and they're all so athletic. They're all so big, um, athletic. I mean, Kalel Ware can shoot. Biddle can shoot. Um, it's just a crazy talented front court that they're going to have. They're not just rim runners. They're not just guys who can block shots and rebound. Like Kalo Ware can space the floor and pass. Nate Biddle can pass. He can run the floor. 
uh, bring the ball up the floor. It's just impressive what Dana Altman has brought to Eugene. It's kind of a different feel because you have a lot of guys like Kenny Wooten, who is kind of a rim runner and insanely athletic um, defender, just overall an insane athlete. Um, but I think with Kolo Ware, I think he's a lot like Kenny Wooten. He's just kind of got more of an offensive game than Wooten had, um, which I think makes him a really intriguing prospect. Yeah, you you talk about the the front court depth. Um, you know, I I started working, I started you know doing the the site for for Ducks Digest uh, right around March Madness. So like that's when like I was watching the most basketball I ever had. Um, you know, got to go to some games. Uh, you know, this past season. But um, what I was going to say is, I mean, I don't think the the front court or the, you know the big men were uh, a, necessarily a weakness for for last year's team. I mean, just just look at when they played Iowa. Um, I mean, sure, Luca Garza got his, but he got his against just about anybody. So you know, I think that's definitely where you see the strategy come into play, and you know, Dana Altman picking his battles. But you bring in guys like Kalel where and you're going to win those battles more often than not, or you give yourself a better chance of, of shutting down the Luca Garza's, the, the prolific guys in the paint. Um, but Garza is certainly a good shooter as well. I think that I, I really like the blend of bodies that they have here, you know, obviously tremendous size, but they're not all the same type of player. You know, you have uh, Nate Biddle and, and Isaac Johnson as well. Uh, you have your shooting, you know, where's awesome as well, but then you also have Dante and Frank Kepnong, who, you know, kind of present your more traditional big men who, you know, Dante's already huge. I think he's like seven foot, 240, 250. Kepnang uh, is uh, a little bit on the lighter side, but, you know, he's another guy that you can beef up and, you know, maybe have that, that stronger presence inside. And I think that um, with how much Dan Altman's teams like to run in transition and kind of just quick start things, if you can lock down the paint and just have a really good presence inside, I think that it doesn't matter as much who you have running on the wings. Yeah. And I think, you know, another thing Dana Altman loves to do is the full court press, um, which I think will work better with the guys that they've been signing. Um, Cause you think about like kind of the athleticism and the speed and the footwork that it kind of takes to be able to defend in the, um, in the half court. I really like the guys that they have. I mean, Biddle I've seen is a really solid defender. Kolo where I've heard some criticisms about like his work ethic on the defensive end, which, I mean, I think when you come to Eugene and you play for Dana Altman, anything like that, any comment like that, um, that's not going to be a worry because Dana Altman is going to make you work. So I don't think that's going to be a problem in Eugene whatsoever. Um, but I, I just, I love the athleticism. And like you said, there's a variation from every guy. I mean, you kind of see on the roster, Oh, you got two, six, 11 guys and three, seven footers, but they can all do so many different things. And with the Dana Altman system, I think it's going to be, you're going to kind of see um, some things you didn't see from them in high school. Like you could see Kolo where maybe shoot threes more often than he did in school uh, in high school. You might see him uh, bring the ball up the floor, which you don't really see that from Dana Altman, big men. Um, I, that's not really kind of a um, one of his things that he does, but bull bull did it here and there, which was kind of, I mean, bull bull is, you know, a unicorn in himself, but, um, I don't know. I'm really excited at the possibilities because every one of these guys can do something different and they have so much room to grow, which I think is, is great. But I think of the five that we're looking at, I mean, Biddle is kind of like at the top of his class, but I think Kala Ware is like the most polished right now in terms of his game and his skill set. Like the amount of things that he can do on the floor. Um, 
I think is going to fit great with, with Dior Johnson, especially, but in that front court, it's really going to stand out. We've talked a lot about Dana Altman, you know, as a coach, uh, the on-court product with the men's basketball team. Um, but I wanted to kind of talk about his image as a recruiter a little bit, because I feel like coaches kind of have to juggle both. Um, and, and it's interesting because you look at Oregon and they won the Pac-12 last year, didn't do so well in the tournament, got bounced by Oregon State, I believe. Um, and it was like a week after they beat them, beat them pretty badly, just shooting the lights out. But, you know, that kind of just goes to show you how important shooting is. You know, you get a, a guy with a hot night and it can cause you a world of problems. But what I wanted to say is I feel like the recruiting is starting to kind of match the, the, um, the success that they've had on the court as far as, you know, winning the conference, going to the NCAA tournament, going to the Sweet 16. Um, but, you know, the, the last kind of aspect that I feel like they kind of need to catch up completely with is the NBA development um, and production at that. You know, you can send guys to the league all you want, but it doesn't mean anything if they're not staying in the league, you know, holding their own and, you know, separating themselves from the others. Uh, we had Chris Duarte, who was just drafted. And then you got uh, Dylan Brooks is, is uh, making a name for himself with the Grizzlies. Uh, Chris Boucher um, has been doing really well, which is interesting because I feel like I think his game was maybe a little bit more of a question mark as far as transitioning to the NBA, like just a super tall dude who was really lanky. And, you know, you kind of like you want to put him at center, but he's definitely not a traditional center um, when you're looking at his body type. But that's kind of the point that I wanted to transition to a little bit is, you know, Oregon's projection in the NBA and just getting more guys to that highest level and having them produce. Yeah, I mean, you think about kind of going back to the recruiting thing for a second, like you you think about college basketball, it's so top heavy and it kind of goes for college football as well. Like your Alabama's, your Ohio State's, your Oklahoma's, it's the same way in college basketball. You have your North Carolina's, your Dukes, Kansas, Kentucky, doesn't really go a whole lot deeper than that. Um, you kind of have it in tiers. I think Oregon is rapidly rising up that tier level. Um, they're, I don't think they're too far from you know, the Kansases, the Michigan States, um, maybe not at the Duke, North Carolina level. I don't really think anybody is in contention with those guys. Um, Kansas, I don't think, I mean, they haven't won a national championship in over a decade. Um, they went to a final four a couple of years ago, but like, I think they're kind of falling a little bit. Um, Oregon, I think is rising rapidly faster than probably anybody. Memphis is kind of there too, but when you have Penny Hardaway, that'll, that'll work. But, you know, in terms of the NBA stuff, I mean, you talk about the guys that they bring in a lot of guys that they've, they've gone to the NBA weren't super highly recruited. Um, Chris Boucher, I remember was one that, like you said, was a question mark. He was super raw um, coming out of high, high school. Um, you know, he had a great skill set, but he was super raw and even coming out of college, I think he was still pretty raw. Like you got to see him quite a bit and then he got hurt. And he didn't get drafted. So it was kind of like, what are we really getting out of him? Was he going to, was he going to stick with an NBA franchise? Cause he bounced around. Now he seems to be kind of a fixture for the Raptors now, um, which is awesome to see. And Dylan Brooks, they weren't really sure what he could do outside of like be a scorer. And he's really turned into a well-rounded player, which I think is kind of like a key for Dana Altman's players that have come, you know, and gone into the NBA. They're really well-rounded. It's not just, you know, they have one thing that gets into the league. Um, like a lot of guys that go to Kentucky or even come out of high school, like they're super athletic, but there's not a whole lot of polish to their game. 
I think when you go to Oregon, you're going to get polished in every regard. And I think that's why guys are starting to come there because they see that. Yeah. And, you know, Dan Allman's also another aspect of his job. You know, we talked about the coaching, the recruiting, but the hires that he lost Tony Stubblefield, one of his long, long time, uh, you know, assistants uh, here in Eugene. And then he went out and hired Chris Crutchfield. And before you know it, Devion Harmon's on board too. So there's that Oklahoma connection. Um, but yeah, to your point, Dylan, I feel like the the development's definitely catching up there. And, uh, you know, you talk about Dana Altman's Hall of Fame resume. Um, I believe he's the winningest coach at Oregon now. Um, and he's definitely ascending, uh, you know, the, the leaderboard nationally. And and the, the Oregon program is just, it's operating at a different clip. You know, we're, we're seeing we're seeing all the major sports just dominating. I mean, when I think about the major sports at Oregon, obviously football is heading in the right direction. Uh, tons of great momentum there. Recruiting's doing really well. And then basketball, we're talking about it right now. They're they're uh, kicking butt. And then for men's and women's. And I think that the women can take a huge leap this year with, uh, you know, uh, how young they were last year. Baseball, uh, you know. Mark Weskowski, you know, he, he took the program, has taken the program, is in the process of taking the program to New Heights after they stopped playing baseball at Oregon for, for a while. Um, and then softball is making some big additions as well um, with, with Melissa Lombardi. So it's, I, I think I, I've, I've said it for a while, but it's just more things like this pop up and it really feels like the golden age of Oregon athletics. Yeah, I mean, you for, you forgot about track and field. I mean, the indoor team won a national championship during our. That's time. assumed at this point. It feels like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is Track Town USA after all. Um, but yeah, obviously they've dominated for a while. Um, I think the women's soccer team is on the rise. Um, you know, Graham Abel has done a fantastic job there. I mean, it all around. I, I don't think there's really a bad program at Oregon, and this men's basketball team is no. Uh, it's not too shabby right now. So I mean it's kind of a battle between like, who's the top recruiter. I mean, Kelly Graves had an amazing couple of classes and has done amazing in the transfer portal. Dana Altman, you know, like John Rothstein says, he solves Rubik's cubes. And then you have Mario Cristobal and that staff is just insane. So it's it's kind of an interesting conversation to, you know, for another day, I guess, because we're, we're kind of wrapping up here, but you know, it's an interesting one to potentially talk about, like who's the best recruiter recruiting team and at Oregon it's an interesting one but the men's basketball I mean they've just done fantastic on the recruiting trail and in the transfer portal and not many programs can say that because you know the transfer portal it didn't feel like a lot of the higher the big name schools like in the Kansas Kentuckys they really went after the transfer portal that much and they usually don't and I think Dana Altman just made a living off of it this offseason this has probably been the best offseason that Dana Altman's had at Oregon I think that's pretty safe to say yeah, it, it's been crazy to see all the kind of names that he's added um, and really how quickly it all happened. Um, you know, things were were looking, I don't want to say bleak, but after the season ended the way it did, losing to USC in the Sweet 16, and then Stubblefield uh, pursued another job. And then you had, um, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm uh, blanking here. Oh, the Lawson brothers. Uh, you had um, Chandler elected transfer and then his brother Jonathan who was a signee for Oregon uh was granted release from his NIL um sorry NLI oh my god it's it's late I'm getting the words all the words and letters are all over the place in my head 
but yeah, he he left, and you had a you had a bunch of guys on the bench leave too, which you know in reality probably didn't hurt that much, but it's certainly not making you feel better as a coach. Um, you know, when you have some guys leave, but I'm sure they had conversations and, you know, it probably was just time to get realistic about playing time. But, um, but yeah, man, it's, it's popping off in Eugene. I'm getting excited for basketball season and we're not even the football season yet. You know, we're, we're going to our third practice uh, fall camp tomorrow for, for football. So, you know, that's something to get, get super excited about. Um I don't, I don't want to end this super abruptly. You know, you're the hoops guy. Is there anything else you, you feel like you wanted to touch on here when we're talking about five-star Oregon Ducks commit Kalel Ware? Um, well, I'll say one thing. It's not so much about Kalel Ware, but keep an eye on Imani Bates. Oregon came out of nowhere uh, in his recruitment. Like, I think the day that they offered him was when he put out his top schools list and Oregon was right there. And he's the top talent in the 2021 class, I believe. I think it might be 22. I think it's 22. Probably, yeah, because we're already – the 21 guys are, are already here, I think. It's been a long night. Um, I feel you. Yeah, Amani Bates is – I mean, he's he could go to the league right away, honestly. I, I feel like if the G League offered him, I feel like – I think they're actually – they've offered him at this point. But he's an insane talent. And if Oregon can land him, shoot, I mean, Dana Altman put him in the Hall of Fame. That would be just an unbelievable – cherry on top of the recruiting class i don't even think you really need to go much more than that maybe just a couple more if guys leave after this next season but man i mean amani bates dior johnson and Kalel Ware, that would just be beautiful chef's kiss right there it, it would certainly be a, an elite hall of talent and and maybe now that we are in the nil era maybe in a weird way or not so subtle way like that gets Oregon in the conversation for these guys that they weren't in the conversation for. Maybe they're, they're w- winning these battles over the blue bloods. Like we see them doing in, uh, in football so often now. Um, but yeah, you know, great, great pod Dylan. I mean, we, we said like, let's shoot for like 20 or so minutes and, and here we are passing half an hour. Um, you know, it's when you, when you get rolling, you just kind of got to, you know, ride it out and, and see where it takes you. But certainly another great pod. Uh, where can people find more of your work? You know, want to give you a chance to plug yourself. Yeah, definitely. Uh, check out my work on Ducks Digest. I'm, you know, I'm writing all the time. Um, I'm at tw- uh, DRK Sports News on Twitter. You can follow me on Instagram as well at Dylan Rubin King. Uh, but the big thing I wanted to plug was August 15th. Um, some buddies and I are putting together a college football website called the Transfer Portal. Um, if you follow No Context College Football, they're a pretty well-known college football niche site on Twitter. Um, we're working with those guys. So it's going to be, there's going to be a podcast, a lot of articles, a lot of rankings, picks, betting, everything you want. Um, whether Rocky top is a good college football fight song or not, just all that fun stuff. So if you're into college football, definitely check it out. It's going to be huge. Right on the man himself, Dylan Rubin King dude, absolutely grinds. He's also a killer graphic designer. Uh, so he's just a, a Swiss army knife in this journalism industry. Uh, super, super happy to have him on board with me at Ducks Digest. If you want to find more of my work, you can find me on Twitter at mTaurus Sports. Uh, you can also find me on t- Facebook at mTaurus Sports. Um, and then we got Ducks Digest Twitters and Facebooks. Both of those are just at Ducks Digest. And then I'm getting the Ducks Digest Instagram popping a little bit. Um, been taking my camera with me to fall camp, and I, I feel like I'm I'm getting more comfortable with uh, taking photos out there and 
it's uh it's just been so fun to be uh, around it all whether it's the coaches the players the environment um you know football is in the air again in eugene uh, opener is less than a month away and, and we're rolling right along so um you know make sure to check out some of the other podcast episodes you can also find us on youtube uh you know running it from my account max Torres. so shoot me a, a subscription over there thank you guys so much for tuning in and we hope you have a good one and take care everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of americans are deficient in if you are a woman over 35 magnesium will help you rediscover balance energy and vitality Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.